right. <clears throat> what are you guys talking about? From where in the Bible did you talk about that? James. James. Okay, so we're in the book of James. Who's this guy, James? Jesus' half brother. All right. So let's do a bit of review because I actually think we're going to finish this week. So uh, all throughout this book, James has been talking about a theme. Been, I think this is our 10th lesson, 10 weeks. Probably been talking about it for three months now. What do you guys think is the theme? You guys put 10 weeks of lessons together into one succinct, one sentence thought. there. So uh, in chapter one, we started off talking about what? Temptations and trials, right? Remember all of that? Temptations and trials. And how they're different. How do we deal with temptations and trials? You guys remember? two ways. First way is to ask God for wisdom. And the second way, you guys remember talking about a graft? The tree. Okay. Audrey, what's a graft? basically. So what are we supposed to graft into our life so that we can deal with our temptations and trials? You guys learned anything? I'm just kidding. (laughs) Supposed to graft in the word of God. Which means Quite simply, read your Bible. Yes, absolutely. All right, then we looked at how we should treat those around us. All right. So this essentially, the topic here was we need to work to become more like Jesus. Right? We talked about clothes and appearances, stuff like that. After that, we talked about 
living faith. Right, faith that has action. So the whole, the summary of the New Testament is that we are saved by faith alone through grace, right? But living faith is the type of faith by which we are saved, right? So faith without action is dead. We need to have living faith. talked about tongues. You guys remember this one? Yeah, we talked about Bob. Pastor told you, just shut up. Alright, that's basically what the summary was. Alright. How can you avoid offense? Can you do it by yourself? Exactly. That's not something we can do, so we need Jesus in our life to avoid offense. Um, last, not last. Last time I was here, we talked about relationships. Specifically, conflict. How do you deal with strife and struggle in your relationships? Or where does strife and struggle come from? Let's start there. Worldly desires. Worldly desires. Yes. So all strife and struggle, all conflict comes from sinful desires. So what do we do? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Not what I'm looking for. Yeah. You need to pray and align your will with God. Submit yourself. Right? Alright. What did you guys talk about last week? start here in, instead. Can you guys figure out the theme so far? take yeah combine that with what Audrey said so the, what I have written down at least is that uh, 
Christians need and trials, we can deal with that when we graft in the word of God. We can't deal with it on our own. All right? We have to have living faith. And to do that, we need to be motivated by the Holy Spirit in us. All right? That is the theme of the book of James. We need to learn to completely depend on Christ. So, what you talked about last week, money. All right? I would say James brings this up specifically because money is the greatest obstacle in learning to completely depend on Christ. Alright? So, tell me more about last week. Money can't buy you happiness. So, do you think what you talked about last week was just for people who are rich? No. Why? Because you could, you could be focused on gaining wealth, even if you don't have it. All right. Uh, so God calls us to be patient. That was the result. Okay. That's why money can't buy you happiness. So be patient. Build up treasures in heaven, not in earth. All right. So that when you get there, that's when your reward will be. So, this week we're going to kind of wrap all of this up and kind of hopefully summarize the theme and give us our greatest tool. Let's turn to James chapter 5. Starting at verse 10, James chapter 5, verse 10 and 11, starting with Abby, please. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count on them happy which endure, and have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, and the Lord is very pitiful and of tenderness. All right. So we need to learn to completely depend on Jesus because, believe it or not, life is tough sometimes. All right? There going to be, there's going to be trials. So James tells us to look at prophets as examples of 
trials. And probably the good thing to look at is these are very godly men, right? They talk with God all the time. They're doing what he wants, but they're still enduring hardships. This is good for us to think, okay, even if I'm doing what God wants, I'm, it's okay to deal with these trials. It's going to happen. It's, it's happened to everybody. What are some prophets that you know that dealt with some stuff? Some examples. Yeah, absolutely. What are some things that happened to Jeremiah? He's, he's like the lamenting prophet. Yeah, he's like thrown in a well as a prison. All right, thrown in jail. Yeah, that was a trial of his own doing. But sometimes we do that to ourselves, right? Jonah. The details works. <clears throat> Thrown in a whale. <laughs> Ready for this one? Daniel. Thrown in a den. <laughs> Sounds like these prophets are getting thrown. <laughs> Alright. They were persecuted, murdered, martyred. But God gives us a promise. Turn quick to 1 Corinthians. Keep your finger in James, though, obviously. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. God promised us that, yeah, we're going to deal with some stuff, all right? Even the prophets did. But he's never going to try us more than we can handle, all right? He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows exactly how much we can take. What's even more comforting is that if we walk with Jesus through the trial, he will help us to bear the burden with him. There, uh, no trial is too great. So in fact, uh, we can even count ourselves blessed, it says. Count ourselves blessed to have trials in our lives. I'm going to read verse 11 again. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. We have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Who's Job? Yeah, that's true. Uh, give me give me a little more in depth story. Kind of. Not. I wouldn't. The bet is the wrong word. But he said, "Look at my man Job. He's he's perfect, right? He uses that word." And the devil says, uh, "I bet I can break." And uh, so, you know, God allows Satan to test Job. And Job does pretty well, right? So, uh, God allows 
to test Job. But what does he do? God says, you're allowed to test him, but not yet. But you can't touch the man. You can't hurt him yet. So then what? Job has a lot of livestock, a big family, lots of sons and daughters. And in like one afternoon, they're all dead. All of his money is gone. His house is destroyed. So Satan takes every worldly and familial possession from him, but doesn't actually touch Job. All right? And Job praises God. So then Satan goes back to God, and God says the same thing. Look at my man Job. He's perfect. And uh, Satan wants to test him again. And this time, God allows him to affect his health. But then God says you can't uh, kill him. So what does Satan do? What 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 happens to Job? sitting there on a stone and weeping and lamenting and just scraping his skin because that's the only thing that's comfortable. Uh, And 40 chapters later, uh, he goes through this trial and doesn't curse God, right? He even gets to have a conversation with God, even though his friends are there berating him and saying, you must have sinned, you know, uh, it's your fault all of this stuff is happening to you. And what's the end result? Right. So he gets he gets back a multiple of what he had before. Right. So he is. Uh, what's a good word? Uh, I'll just say better than before. example of Job. How does Job, even though he's not necessarily a prophet, how is he a good example of how we should go through our own trials? I'm going to say there's three things I'm looking for, and you're absolutely right, but it's not what I'm looking for. say we can look at Job's perseverance. I don't know how to spell this. Alright? Specifically that he never blames God. Never curses God. Even though all of this terrible stuff is happening. What's another good example that we can take from Job's story? To get the answer, you should look at the verse that we just read from James.
that's here. The Lord has an intended end. It's right out of the verse, right? What does this mean? What was the intended end for Job? You think God had a plan the whole time? The intended end for Job was that he was going to be better than before. Right? He was going to go through this trial, but he was going to come out with more than he had before that. Better person, as well as the physical reward. All right? Better still, Job suffered so that we could learn. Job suffered so that he could be an example for us. This was God's ultimate plan. God was writing the Bible. He was telling the story that we needed to hear. All right. What is the intended end for us? strokes, we're going to be better than before. Right? God is putting us through this trial so that we can grow, so that he can mold us. He's also going to give us a reward someday in heaven. Right? He could be using this as an example. You know, uh, Every day we need to make an active choice to lead good Christian lives, and people are watching. So maybe us going through a trial could bring somebody closer to God. Right? But those are all intended ends for what you're going through. Number three, for our example of Job. Also in the verse. Yeah. How is the Lord compassionate and merciful to Job? Almost seems like he's kind of mean. could do. Alright? He protected him essentially. God was merciful and compassionate because he was with Job through his entire trial. Alright? Both physically and spiritually. Alright? God was always there and he helped him get through it. And compassionate and merciful because of the end. Job was to be better than before. So Job is our additional example of how we should go through our trials. Job overcame his trial and received much for his perseverance. And uh, as I said before, we can look forward to our reward in heaven. So James urges us to recall this example uh, to fuel our own perseverance through whatever trials that we have. Let's keep going. 
verse 13, James chapter 5, verse 13, whoever's next. All right. So as we come closer to the end of the book of James, James turns us to focus on the power of prayer. The theme of the book is to completely depend on Christ. So the best way to end our thoughts about thinking about that is to think about prayer. So if you're in a valley in life, the verse says to pray for comfort. And if you're in a high spot in life, you should sing psalms. So for us, what are our, our, our psalms? Hymns. Hymns, very good. I'm telling you, I'm deaf today. Uh, so, singing hymns is another way for us to praise God. Or, or is a way for us to praise God. It's also a way to pray. Alright? So, I think this could even be flipped. If you're in a trial, you should also sing. Alright? Because it's just another way to pray. And if you're not in a trial, and you, uh, you're in a high point in life, you should also pray. So, what do we get from this? Everyone should pray. When? All the time. Verse 14 through 16. guys ever heard of churches doing this? Elders of the church laying hands and anointing with oil and praying. So some Christians have misinterpreted these verses and kind of created a ritual out of it where they believe that they can heal people if the elders of the church lay hands on them and are anointed. Now, can somebody be healed this way? Absolutely. But one should not latch on to these verses and say, if I do this, then I'm going to be healed. All right? In fact, I once had a friend who went to a church that did this, and he had a heart condition. And he wholeheartedly believed that if the elders of the church could heal him, uh, he believed that the elders of the church could heal him with this ritual. But when they performed it and he didn't get better, he lost all faith, right? He turned away from God to this day. So we're not supposed to interpret the verses this way. It's not a ritual, if this, then this. In fact, the verses themselves come out and say, it's not the ritual. It's not the laying of hands or the anointing of oil that do the healing, but it is the prayer of faith, right? The prayer of faith is what you need. That's what heals the sick. So the proper interpretation of this is to recognize the healing nature of prayer. Okay?
prayer has healing powers that come from God, all right? Both spiritual, because it can renew you spiritually, and physical. How do we know this? I'd say almost every week there is a healing prayer answered in this church. Right? Okay? We see it in our lives every week. That's why we ask for healing at our church every week. God promises right here in these verses that if that prayer is fervent, it will work. Okay? The fervent prayer avails much. What does fervent mean? Yeah. So I, uh, textbook de definition is like intense and focused. Okay? So what does that mean for us when we're sitting in the congregation and pastors pray? Are you uh, looking to see if your friend's eyes are closed? My favorite things is counting the circles in the ceiling tiles. You know how many there are? What do you think you should be doing? Pray. Absolutely. All right. So praying, but actively praying, okay? Not just sitting there listening. When you hear what pastor has to say, send those words up to heaven from your own heart as well. All right? Your prayer matters just as, what pa ju matters just as much as what pastor has to say. Uh, verse 17 and 18. So, as is his habit, James gives us another example, okay? Uh, Elijah, or Elias, is his example of fervent prayer. Uh, Elijah's prayer was earnest, meaning truthful and meaningful, or, in other words, fervent. Uh, and James wants it to be clear. Elijah was just a regular guy, just like you and me. That's why he says uh, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So, if Elijah can stop rain then our prayer certainly has amazing power as long as we are truthful and meaningful and fervent. All right? Keep going. Finish up verse 19 and 20. All right, so James finishes with kind of the goal of all prayer. Right? Prayer is the tool that helps us grow even closer to God. Through it, we can continue to draw closer to him. Uh, we all know that it is human nature to wander from God. With prayer, our own prayer, we can stay focused on the correct path. If you see others falling into sin around you, this is telling us to pray about it. All right? Talk with God. He may call you to help that person. He may want to use you as the tool to bring this person back to him. And if he does that, he'll give you the words to say. Ultimately, we all wander, right? 
the song says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead the Lord I love. <clears throat> Leave the Lord I love. Uh, and the greatest strength of prayer is that we can ask for forgiveness. We're gonna trip up. We're gonna sin. This forgiveness will cover our own multitude of sins, thanks to the grace of Jesus. So this is the ultimate, complete dependency on God. We can't do it. We can't have eternal life. We cannot <clears throat> cover our own sins, all right? We have to completely depend on Christ to pay the price for us, all right? We owe him our life here on earth because of that. Because he has purchased our sinful souls and forgiven us so that we may live in eternity with him. So that is the book of James. The theme is learn to completely depend on Christ in everything that you do. And the tool to get there is your effectual, fervent prayer. Thank you.